We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Transformative Principle, episode 54 with Frank Schofield. Welcome to Transformative Principle, the show where we learn every week from a leader who's making a difference, how to become better and improve our schools. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. You can find great resources and the show notes at transformativeprinciple.com. Last week, I told you about the new product on my website, the communication cards. And many of you have gone and downloaded that. Thank you so much for your support. Some of you have even not used the coupon code transformative to get them for free. And I really appreciate your support there as well. Um, One thing that I've learned from doing these interviews with these amazing principals is that open, honest communication is absolutely vital to being successful. For whatever reason, people are sometimes nervous to talk to us. And it's so important for us to be able to combat that with making it easy for them to talk to us. I was talking to a teacher that I worked with last year who's now in a coaching role. And she talked about how that open, honest communication that she and I worked so hard on over the three years that I was working with her made it so that she knew how to talk to people herself. And she said that at first it seemed kind of uncomfortable stating so clearly what the purpose of a conversation was because we just don't do that. But now she feels very comfortable saying this is what we need to do and she is very comfortable saying that to teachers that she's coaching. And it's an amazing way that that these simple things to be able to state what it is that we are talking about and why we're talking about it are actually there. So if you haven't yet, please go to my website. There's a link in the show notes to download the communication cards. Use the coupon code transformative to get them for free. And thank you so much for listening to Transformative Principle. Let's change gears a little bit and talk about your um, your behavior data that you posted. Um, I know you guys are using. Are you still using Educator's Handbook to collect all your referrals and data? 
we're not. We we went just to Skyward. Okay. Uh, for your listeners, Educators Handbook was a data collection and um, organization tool we used for tracking our office referrals. Uh, the reason we moved away from it, uh, because it was great and it was very accessible for teachers and it, it was a very um, useful tool for pulling reports and looking at data over time. Mm-hmm. The reason we moved away from it was um, we would put information into Educator's Handbook and we'd only use Skyward, which was our data student information system, for safe school violations and stuff like that. The problem was because Data Dashboard, which you're familiar with, Jethro, would only pull information information from Skyward, the totals of number of office referrals and number of discipline incidents that the district was seeing was not accurate. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, uh, for example, Rob Richardson and EBL being able to pull reports or for Alan Whitmore to be able to look at our data and get an accurate picture of what actually was going on behaviorally, mm-hmm. using Educator's Handbook was making that more difficult. So what we decided to do is we said, you know what, we like Educator's Handbook for what it does, but we have to make sure the district is getting good data as well because we've got to we've got to show what we're doing and we need to make sure that as we look at things like hearings and you know intervention supports etc that we're communicating as clearly as possible with other district departments so we made the decision to just go with skyward mm-hmm. okay um so that means you've been logging last november you logged almost 500 office discipline referrals in skyward is that right yes that is uh, a lot frank <laughs> It is. So I can see why you're so excited. <laughs> I can see why you're so excited that you um, were able to reduce that by so much. What was your total for this last November? Uh, this last November, we had 140. So that's a huge decrease, and that is really amazing and something to be proud of. Talk yeah. about how you how you guys did that well the first thing we did is last year we spent a ton of time uh, developing basic systems for behavioral support there there hadn't previously been you know really clear school-wide behavioral expectations so we, we really started it at the ground floor with in implementing uh, positive behavior and intervention supports mm-hmm yeah, we started with what are our school-wide behavioral expectations going to be? What are those going to look like at the classroom level? And how are we going to make sure those are clear? What are we doing to reinforce appropriate behavior? Mm-hmm. What will our systems be for responding appropriately to inappropriate behavior? Um, what are the guidelines going to be for how do you know when to send a student to the office? What's a major versus a minor? When students do get sent to the office, what's the procedure going to be here so we're consistent with kids? Uh, we as administrative staff all went and got trained on administrative intervention so we could use that consistently when kids were sent to the office. Uh, so really it was a whole bunch of trying to cram as much of the foundational pieces of PBIS into as you could. Gotcha. 
That's what it was. And our teacher, we did, you know, days where we got these little, you know, little clickers where if you're doing box, like box counters, mm-hmm. and then you push the button and every time you push, it's just another tally. We bought those for all the staff and we would do clicker days where we would say, hey, everybody's got your clicker. Um, today, we want you to keep track of every positive piece of feedback you give students. So you're tracking your positive interactions and we just report those out on a a Google Doc and say, hey, this is how consistent, how much we did this year. Mm-hmm. And the focus really wasn't saying, look, this is how much we did this year. The focus was getting people to think about how consistently am I giving students positive feedback. Yeah. See some teachers had, you know, 130 clicks during the day and you'd see other teachers that had 21. And it was just a way for the staff to see, am I reinforcing kids? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And that's so important, too. We use those things that are called motivators, which uh-huh. have the little timer. And then every time it the timer hits zero, then it vibrates on your hip. And you then should be giving a positive, uh, positive comment to a to a student in your class. Right. Um, so I like the idea of the clickers. And that's probably a little less expensive than the uh, motivators that were uh, like $65, $75 a pop, which was quite a bit. <laughs> it's way less expensive than the motivators. And we use those because we have to use them as part of our, <clears throat> excuse me, part of our teacher evaluation system. I actually found some little exercise timers uh-huh. uh, that you can program for intervals. And they're like a third the price of the motivators. Uh-huh. Are those the gym bosses? Yes, they are. Yeah, we found those too eventually. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. I'm like, I, I'll spend that money on them. <laughs> yeah. I can't, uh, I can't buy motivators for 46 for 50 people. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a, uh, there's an app on the iPhone called the interval timer. Um, uh-huh. And uh, it does the same thing. takes a little bit of setup to get it set up all right. But, um, but then once you have that, you can let it run, you know, virtually all day and it just buzzes in your pocket, which... That may be more annoying for some people, but it it's another way to to do that same thing. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about the administrative intervention, um, because that's a really powerful way to deal with kids who are sent down to the office, especially when they're escalated. And and tell people more about that. Yeah, administrative intervention is is based on uh, the research and practices that came out of Boys Town. Mm-hmm. So it's part of their discipline model. And it's it's really cool because one of the, the great things that it does is it focuses on and it teaches kids the idea that when we behave inappropriately, we damage relationships. So part of fixing the behavior is is learning how to repair the relationship. Uh, so when, when, when it starts, you know, the first thing you do is kid gets sent to the office and you have to do a, a basic you know, I guess you could say uh, you accept them into the office. And, and the first thing you're trying to do is just get to basic compliance, which means they have to, what we generally do, they have to sit in a chair, feet on the floor, hands in their lap, looking at me in the eye. So we do things just to get them to that point. And if they're resistant, then we do things like verbal tracking, which is, you know, Johnny, you know, right now you're sitting with your legs crossed, leaning back in the chair. What I need you to do is sit straight up, put your feet on the floor, and put your hands in your lap, please. 
that they don't respond. And you say, you know, Johnny, I really appreciate how you're sitting in the chair. What I need you to do right now is put your feet on the floor and sit straight up, please. And you just keep, you know, every, every you know, 25, 30 seconds or so, you reinforce them whenever they do anything positive. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep reflecting back what they are doing and what you need them to do. You know, Johnny, right now, you know what? Right now you're yelling. What I need you to do is sit up straight, put your feet on the floor, put your hands in your lap, and listen. Keeps talking. You know, Johnny, right now you're talking. What I need you to do right now is put your feet on the floor, sit up straight, and put your hands in your lap. And it's interesting because the reflecting part, saying what they're doing, helps keep you calm because you're not arguing with them. Mm-hmm. And you're not trying to talk over them. You're just reflecting, hey, this is what you're doing. This is what you need to be doing. This is what you're doing. This is what you need to be doing. And as soon as they do one of the things you want them to do, you immediately recognize it, praise it, and then clarify what they need to do next. Mm-hmm. Once you have them calm down, you go and talk to the teacher. You don't ask the student their side of the story. Um, you get a commitment from them that they will wait here in the office. And then you go talk to the teacher. And there, there are other little pieces that come in here as well. But uh, you get the story from the teacher. So you find out what happened uh, and what needs to happen. Then go back to the office, tell the student that you found out what happened. Talk about what you need to practice. So you identify what's the deficient skill. Is it following instructions? Is it expressing concerns appropriately? Um, you know, what is it? And there can be any list of things that you do. But then those that skill is divided into three steps. For example, most of the time, the issue with kids is they need to follow directions appropriately. So we tell them when a teacher gives you a direction, you need to look them in the eye, say okay, and do what they ask. So we have them repeat back where the steps, and then we practice it. So we have them practice it with little things like, you know, please cross your left leg over your right leg. Please put both feet on the floor. Please stand up behind your chair. Uh, please fold your arms. Please put your hands at your side. And we tell the kid, these are going to feel kind of silly, but we're practicing this because this is what's going to help you be successful in the classroom, your ability to follow directions. And you, you go through that same type of process regardless of what the skill is. Mm-hmm. You practice the skill. You reinforce them when they get it. And then you say, okay, now... Before we go back to class, it looks like you've got the skills now to be successful, which is great. Before you go back back to class, though, we have to apologize to the teacher. And the apology has, we teach them, has specific steps. You look the person in the eye, you say their name, say what you're sorry for, what are you going to do in the future, and then you ask permission to come back to class. And then you practice the apology with the kids. You have them practice it sitting down, they practice it standing up. Uh, and they have to get it right before they're allowed to go back and apologize to the teacher and ask for permission to come to class. And the teacher has to accept the apology and, and give them permission to come back to class before they're allowed to. So it, it does require training the teachers on this because if you've done a ton of work getting the kid calmed down, mm-hmm. getting the kid <laughs> compliant, practicing the skill, practicing the apology, they deliver the apology appropriately, and then the teacher tries to then give them a lecture mm-hmm. or 
makes their return to class conditional upon something, you've just lost a whole bunch of time. Right. So teachers need to understand that when you bring the student up to deliver the apology, you are the one that determines whether the apology was appropriate. Right. If you don't say anything, the apology was appropriate, and the teacher's job is to accept the apology and bring the student back into class. Mm -hmm. So you do have to clarify that because otherwise everything that you've done to try to rebuild those bridges between the student and the teacher, the teacher just swiped away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It does require doing some training there and letting people know this is not time for you to lecture the kid. This is not time. This is not time for you to comment on anything. This is time for you to say, thank you. I appreciate the apology. I would be happy to have you back in class. Come on in. Mm -hmm. that, that's what you said. So the, the, if, the way what I'm hearing is if they send a student down to the office, then they have given up anything besides saying thank you and welcome back to class, right? Yeah. They don't get to determine how long they're there for. Um, they don't get determined to determine, you know, what the consequence is. If they're sent to the office, it is now an administrator um, issue. Mm -hmm. um, so you're your number of office discipline referrals have gone down, would you say that your behavior at your school has increased or that there's less reporting going on? I would say the, the positive behavior has improved for a couple of things. I mean, administrative intervention has provided consistency when we did have students sent to the office. Um, the other thing that we've gotten better at is this year we have a consistent um, process and, and flowchart for providing behavioral interventions for students. And we tell teachers, you know, here's, if you've got a student who's struggling behaviorally, here's what we want you to start with. And if this isn't, if that's not working and you're still having problems, then here are the tools that we want you to use. Uh, we want you, we've, you know, got some that are structured, managed by the team. We have other things that involve the counselors. But here are the interventions that we want you to use. And we've, we've cleaned up a great deal what students should and shouldn't be sent to the office for. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of minor behaviors being sent to the office at the start of last year. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of kids being sent to the office, being unprepared. Right. They have a pencil, you know, stuff like that. Those are gone. We don't have those. So, so that takes yeah. out a ton, right? Oh, it takes it out a tremendous amount. If kids are sent to the office now, it's completely legitimate. Mm -hmm. They are being disruptive in class. There's been a fight. They've, they've done something that requires that the administration be involved. So the teams have taken, the teams have taken in a lot of ways, more ownership mm -hmm. over modifying student behavior. They know they can't give detentions, they can't suspend kids, um, but they do, you know, lunch detentions, for example, if kids are behind on work and not getting stuff done, um, they'll give them lunch detentions where the student, and these are completely teacher-directed, the office has nothing to do with them, but if a team says, you know, we have these students that aren't getting their work turned in, we feel like they need a lunch detention, those teachers are choosing to have those students come up to their room during lunch and do work. Now we, and they're, the teachers are giving up their lunch. Now we have a structure to allow that, 
that doesn't require the teachers to do it. Um, but a lot of the teachers are choosing to do that on their own when it's when the problems are due to academic performance. Mm-hmm. If the problems are due strictly to behavior, um, then they usually they'll use us in the office. Gotcha. That makes sense, and that's a good way to to divide those things up. Um, yeah. How did you go about defining your major minor list, and what what goes to the office and what stays in the classroom? Oh, a whole bunch of different discussions. <laughs> yeah. And some of these started before I got here. Uh, one of my assistants, B.J. Weller, you know, he's a former social worker, um, behavioral systems coach. He really uh, is probably one of the, the best people I know in terms of understanding how behavioral support systems should work and how they, they need to be put together. Mm-hmm. So he's been working on this for three years now. Yeah. Um, having those discussions with teachers, what you ma- what's a major and a minor. But we talk about things that are um, either put individuals at risk. You know, they create, what are things that create unsafe environments, either physically unsafe or emotionally unsafe. And then we talk about um, what does it mean to really disrupt the learning environment. But a lot of our major discussions of majors go back to safety. Uh-huh. For example, we use profanity. Uh, a lot of our students, um, you know, come from backgrounds where using profanity freely and frequently is is accepted. Mm-hmm. Trying to teach them is, you know, we're preparing you for professional success in the workplace and in careers. You got to learn that certain language is appropriate, and certain language isn't. So here at school, we don't use that language. Um, but there's a difference between a student using profanity in an aggressive way towards a peer or a teacher and a student using profanity casually in a conversation with a friend. Right. The aggressive use of profanity, we say that creates an unsafe environment because that's um, either causing someone to feel physically unsafe if they're worried that this is going to lead to a fight or it can at minimum cause them to feel emotionally unsafe because someone is, is um, speaking to them aggressively. So in that situation, if profanity is being used in an aggressive way, then we would say send them to the office. That's a referral. Mm-hmm. If it's two friends who are talking in the corner about something they did this, week, this weekend and one of them blurts out a profanity, we say that should be addressed, but that should be addressed through your your classroom behavioral supports as opposed to the office. Hmm. So it's 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 um, there's a, there's a gradation of responsibility uh, based on what's the severity of the behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds like it's very logical. You know that profanity when I taught there that was a that was a big issue that um, that kids should never use any profanity at all, which I agree with. I don't think any adult should either, but, <laughs> but that's a, <clears throat> but that was a thing that was a, a big um, point of emphasis that was made a lot of people frustrated and bothered and, you know, being able to clarify whether a kid is just telling a story about what happened this weekend and uses profanity, which is not really hurting anybody versus saying something 
really bad to a teacher, there's there's definitely a, a difference there. And it's good that you're addressing that so that, you know, um, I, I imagine that your teachers feel very supported in that area and that if a kid continued using profanity in a non-aggressive way, that would also equate a an office referral. Is that correct? Yes, because then it would be a non-compliance issue. Right. So if the teacher says, hey, we don't use language in the class, and the student starts to argue with the teacher, mm-hmm. <laughs> now that's a different behavioral issue. That is disrupting the learning environment. Depending on how they're arguing, it could be creating an unsafe environment as well. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's an office referral. So then when those office referrals happen and you do the administrative intervention, um, that is a... Uh, that takes a lot of time, right? It does. And hopefully that time is spent well enough that those students don't repeat the offense or at least repeat it, think about it more before they do it and maybe pick their battles a little bit better in the future. How How is the frequent flyer part, the kids who come down repeatedly for the same issue, how big of an issue is that at your school right now? We have frequent, frequent flyers, but the number keeps shrinking. Um, we saw, the first thing we saw with administrative inter- intervention is your frequent flyers. The first couple times you do it, yes, it takes a long time. It does. There, there's no other way to say it. It takes a yeah. long time. Um, but then the third time they're in here and they realize you're saying exactly the same things you were saying before and you're following the same process you were before, they're like, oh, my goodness, Really? You're going to make me do this again? I'm like, yeah, we got to do this. They start to figure it out, and they learn the process, and they can move through it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so then if you've got a kid that just turns it into a joke, well, you've got a different disciplinary issue now. Uh-huh. So you do have high flyers for whom administrative inter- intervention is not the fix. Right. You need to have graded levels of support and consequences. So we started putting in... Uh, for our really high flyers, we started putting in level systems mm-hmm. uh, where students would, um, oh, you'd start on a level one or a level two, for example. Level two is um, you don't get passing time with your friends. Um, when the bell rings to start class and the halls are empty, you then have three minutes to walk to your next class, four minutes to get to your next class, and you're not kind of tardy. You don't get to have lunch. Um, with your friends, you have to eat lunch in the office. Basically, it's it, you just they have limited freedom. Mm-hmm. Say, you know what? When you have demonstrated you can be responsible and follow school rules as evidenced by, and you've got a behavior tracker with specific goals set, then you get to move to level three, which is where now you get your passing time back and you get your lunch time back. And when you have X number of days of success on level three, then you get to move to level four, which is where you're earning additional privileges. Maybe you get um, front to front of the line passes in lunch. Maybe you get to go to lunch five minutes early with a friend. Maybe you get to, you know, candy bar, video game time, you know, and whatever, whatever incentives work for that student. Mm-hmm. The key to the level system, and then you can also go down. Level two is, um, oh gosh, we said level level two is the, the limited freedom. Level one is, is in school suspension. You're here in the office all day long. And then if you get removed, that's a level zero if you get it uh, suspended out of school. 
Um, but you have very strict guidelines. And I say, if you spend X number of days, let's say you've got three days, and to move up to the next level, you have to score 21 points on your tracker, and you have three days in a row of 16 points or lower, you're dropping down to level one. You have to, you're, mo you're constantly moving in one direction or the other. Uh -huh. So kids don't, they don't have time to stagnate. Mm -hmm. level. It's either, look, your, your behavior is either improving and this is what you earn, or your behavior is not and this is the consequence. And it's one direction or the other. And we had, <clears throat> you know, you only want to do that with your very high flyers because it is time intensive. The administrator has to meet with the student at the start of school every day, has to meet with them at the end of school every day. It's a check-in, check-out thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a very detailed tracker, but every student we did that with made improvement. And we were talking about several kids who were court involved, gang involved, etc. Every single one of them made progress. Some of them took longer to make progress. They had uh, a lot of level drops. So, I'm sorry, you're back down to level one. You started cussing at the teacher. You got removed from class, so you're back down to level one. But everybody we did it with made improvement. That's great. And this year, we have not had to put anyone on a level system yet. We have, I think, two students that we're considering it with. Uh, last year, we, oh gosh, administratively, I think we each had six or seven apiece. Man. And this year, we haven't had to do any yet. That's great. Uh, now, that shows a real sign of improvement because those kids are the hardest ones to get to to make those changes because they by the time they get to you they many of them have given up on the system and don't think that it works for them they're right. they're still coming to school because they're required to by law maybe but yeah they they definitely do not want to be there so that's their, really good their parole officer says or the probation officer says they have to be here so here yep um, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the check-in, check-out system that you, that Elizabeth Vasquez does that, uh, was featured on, on the TV show uh -huh. clip. Cause that's a, that's different than what you're talking about with just kids who are misbehaving, right? Right. So talk about that. Cause it's pretty cool. Yeah. What Elizabeth does is, is actually called check and connect. Uh, it's a more, it's a. I shouldn't say more structured program, but it's uh, it's more comprehensive. Where check in check out really is just going to focus on the at school behavior. Check and connect is about giving students uh, a mentor who works with them, um, meets with them an hour a week, makes connections with the parents, builds relationships with the parents. And it's talking to the student about their academic work, attendance. Um, Elizabeth is great because of her background as a social worker. You know, she's able to tie students and parents into some outside resources. But the check and connect is used for, again, for very high flyers who are having problems in and out of school. You know, that, that's who we refer to. Mm -hmm. Uh, so really, it's it's about developing that mentoring relationship. The goal is to have students work with that mentor for two years, so to develop that mentoring relationship and support uh, support students through a variety of of decisions they need to make. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. And one thing that I love about what you're doing is that you are looking at the the whole situation. It's not just math and it's not just behavior and it's not just outside of school issues. You're, you're really trying to bring all of that together and find ways to help kids in whatever way they really need it. And um, and it's awesome that you have resources to to help you do that, that people are in your buildings and the district is supporting you and all that kind of stuff. That That is so valuable and can't be overlooked because it's it is about more than just you know reading writing arithmetic it's about educating the whole child and you're you're really showing that in a very profound way and and the data is is reflecting that as well well and the nice thing is it or the thing that it reminds me of and, and it's continually in the in my thoughts is it, it's it's how are you building pieces that are all part of a, of a supportive system mm-hmm um, you could pull in individual pieces, like you could start doing Check and Connect. And if you didn't have the basic support system, and you know this, is if you try to do a Tier 3 intervention before you've got Tier 1 in place, your intervention is going to fail. Right. Uh, because you don't have the foundational pieces in place. If we had not been able to do the things that we did last year with Tier 1 behavioral support, school-wide expectations, school-wide uh, systems for reinforcement and consequences, Check and connect would not have helped, um, because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have had something to plug into. Um, level systems alone won't fix things. Academic or administrative intervention alone doesn't fix things. It has to be part of a scaffolded and consistent system that goes from point A to point B, or point A to point Q. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And recognizes how all these pieces have to fit together. So that you bring up a very good point. It's been wonderful that we've been able to get some support like that uh, to run some specialized programs that really hit those students whose needs are beyond what you can do just as a, a regular school. You know, we all have kids. We all have a handful of kids who do have some specialized needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trick is to first put all that stuff in place that you can to weed out the truly specialized needs yep. and, and which kids can be addressed by just general tier one stuff. And even our kids who are on the check and connect, um, if we didn't have our tier one supports in place, there are all sorts of other problems they would be having. Right. Absolutely. Because they well, wrapped last year. Yes. Well, and you were talking about how you, you, each you and of you and your administrative team had six or seven kids on your level system check in, check out, and right. that's that's just too many, right? I mean, oh, yeah, that was definitely you guys not having everything in place yet and and trying to use a band aid to fix that, and that's yeah. evidenced by the fact that you don't have anybody, even those same eighteen kids that that were on your check in, check out last year, they're not on your on your caseload this year. So those other things are working to help prevent those kids from even getting to that point. And so these two kids that you're, that you're thinking about right now, they probably really do need that in order to be successful, but to manage 18 kids on, on a check-in check-out system is, you know, that's, that's definitely not going to be sustainable for you three to be able to do. 
Right. Yeah. So um, the last question that I ask each day or each interview is uh, what's one thing that a principal can start doing today to be a transformative principal like you are? Wow. One thing to start doing today. Bringing in groups of people to have the discussion and make changes. Using teams, use teams. Um, identify those those people on your on your staff who can be part of a team, who have the people skills to do it, who are committed to. If you're looking at being transformative, who are committed to the welfare of the students at your school, and start using that group. You know, don't try to look at the data and make decisions yourself. You know, sit down with the group, look at the data, have the discussions, and talk about things that way. And you've got to, um, if you've read Good to Great, you know, Jim Collins' big point, his first one is get the right people on the bus. Yeah. And we focus on that a lot with our hiring, which is good, but it's just as essential with your teaming. Yeah. And you try to create teams based on based strictly on okay, well we're gonna take the most senior person at each grade level or we're gonna have one person from each department and that's your only criteria for identifying your team members. Um, you're gonna run the risk of having a really poorly functioning team. But if you get the right people on the bus with your leadership teams, you can do amazing, amazing things. <laughs> yeah. Because you're going to have a group of committed, dedicated people who are willing to ask the questions and have the conversations and are willing to do the grunt work of, of putting interventions together. And if you can get a core group of people to do something like that, you, you can turn any place around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's fascinating to me is that it's, it's all about the people that, that we're working with. Um, they they have that power to to make the school amazing and it's just it's awesome to see it and that's the same thing that principals over and over again have have repeated that you know get the right people there and get them to do the good the good work so great thank you um this has been an honor uh i i've been fortunate to learn from you for many years so far and i'm really grateful that you've been able to share your time with with the people who listen to my podcast so thank you very much i really appreciate it well you're welcome jethro i'm i'm just excited for you to be a building principal now i'm excited you did amazing things and this is an assistant at copperview and we saw progress there and uh, your school up there is lucky to have you so i appreciate you giving me this chance to visit with you thank you Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, and please feel free to give us a rating on Stitcher Radio or on iTunes so that we can help spread the word about how much we're learning in this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. 
Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.